Hi everybody, welcome to Boss. On today's episode, we're gonna be talking about self and what that means. Let's go. Hi, I'm Angela Calloway. And I'm Tisa Smart Washington, and this is Boss. Brilliantly owning self and success. So we're two friends on a journey to own ourselves and our success in the most authentic way possible. We found ourselves constantly on the phone, texting, motivating one another with different topics and ideas and having discussions around how to have greater agency in our own lives. And we realized we're not the only ones. So we invite you to come along on this journey with us. This is Boss, brilliantly owning self and success. everybody welcome back we're so glad you're with us on our second episode of the boss podcast today again we're going to be talking about self and what that means so i'm going to kick things off by telling you about one of the most important pieces of self-ownership for me it is making sure that my thoughts and my opinions are truly my own and that i am not being influenced by other people's truths and that includes how my mom raised me, my dad, well, my mom and dad, they're, you know, they're still married, and how they raised me, you know, in different influences that you've come across in life. I want to make sure that I've heard you, I've considered it, but that nece- that may not necessarily, what was true for you may not necessarily be true for me, and that I am expressing what's true for me well let me ask you this and that's good that's good talking but how do you reconcile what you know to be good or true for you today and maybe how that changes over time or does it change over time is it really true if it changes over time it better change over time i better be growing and evolving i better It is my hope that I am pushing the status quo. I don't want to be the same Angela that I was five years ago. That means I didn't grow. Mm -hmm. That means I I didn't stop and take stock and say, how can I improve? How can I be better? What's true for me today, what was true for me as a single person is completely not true for me today as a married woman with two kids. So I think that as we grow, what's true changes and should change and I want it to change I think I have to always do the work of well, what's true for me today what's really true today and getting to that and then expressing and living that truth that's what my work is that's good that's good but it's not easy work <laughs> <laughs> no it is not at all it's not easy work so what's your definition uh, my definition of self is I'm still working on that. I'm still working through uh, how I really define self. I think before I can even get to that point where I truly uh, own self, I have to accept self. Oh, that's so good. And that has been a journey for me. Okay. What Um, parts of self? All parts of self. I think, you you know, I'm I'm a student at heart. So I've grown needing that validation, that external validation. Mm-hmm. And I think in any of us that are really good students, 
you don't know that that paper isn't a paper until the teacher tells that to oh, you. Oh, that's so good. And when you grow up expecting someone else to validate your work, to validate your worth, to validate who you are, and then you get you grow into a space where you don't have that validation every day. It's a little jarring. Yeah, it is. You have to start to figure out how do I get to the point where I know this is an A paper just because. How about I know this is an A life? Yes. Without somebody else saying, this is you got a, a great life. Come on. Yeah. That's exactly right. How do I know I have the A life? Yeah. And, um, and it's a journey. Just like you, you said that um, it's, it's work. It, mm-hmm. it's, it's a journey. And it may be one that we are on for the rest of our lives. So what kind of work do you do to help yourself feel the A? Because you have to self-validate and do work to feel validated. What are things that you do to give yourself the validation that you need? I think for me, my first step was to acknowledge and accept that, that that I was not operating in that at some point in my life. Mm-hmm. To really say, okay, this is an area that I need to work on. Part of it is still, you know, externally based. That you take all of the feedback that you've had over the years and you're able to um, come up with this idea of what good work means to you or what a okay. good life means to you. Mm-hmm. And then uh, marry that with your current situation. Does that make sense? I think I get what you're saying. Are you saying, are you, so you have kind of a list of things that you feel like this is my definition of a good life. And if I'm hitting this good life, then I validate this and say, this is a good, good life. life. Yes. Okay. But, but, and some of that is feeling because some of that I've worked really hard to create what I thought was a good life and it didn't feel good. Ooh, come on, deal with it. Oh, it's a yes. It didn't. It made me miserable. And so then I had to say, if I have to kill myself to create this life, is it really a good life for me? And and I feel that was especially true when I got married. Now I've been married for a minute now. I'm an old married lady, 20 years. Oh, your age is old, (laughs) wisdom. But in the beginning, I tried hard to create what I thought Mm -hmm. was a good marriage. Come on, teach. That was really based on nothing. All my friends were single. Well, most of my friends were single. I had one friend that was married at the time. Yes, I had one friend that was married at the time. So most of my marriage experience or ideas came from other single people telling me what marriage should be. Yeah. And we all know that experience is a better teacher than any of us. Come on. So, and not saying that you don't have good input if that has not been your experience, but Mm -hmm. you just have a different view when it's something that you're living and not just something that you're witnessing. Oh, that's good, Tisa. Um, You know, in in, in the beginning, I tried really hard to create this idea of marriage and it wore me all the way out. What was your vision? Uh, romance, really. One of the things that I learned early on mm-hmm. in marriage that I think was one of the, the savers for me when, once I you know came to the realization was that I can't love my husband the way that I want to be loved. Okay. I have to love him. 
the way that he wants to be loved. That's good. So I would, in the beginning, run the bath and make the picnics in the living room because I wanted all of that romance. Oh, come on. You were setting it out. Come on, man. <laughs> Set. I was. And I remember, if, if you know me, you know my husband is really, really tall. And mm-hmm. I remember I ran this bath for him when he got home from work. And he got in the tub and his knees were all the way up to his chin. <laughs> And he was like, the water is cold. And and he just was not having a good time at all. And I was so angry because I said, I did all of this for you and you don't appreciate it. And really, I did all of that for me. I did for him Mm -hmm. what I wanted him to do for me. Mm -hmm. And so I learned, you know what, when his boys come over, I'm just going to go get a Heineken out the fridge, open it up hand it to him, and leave him alone with his boys. Okay. Because that's what he liked. I took the time to learn what he liked, and I learned to love him that way. Okay. Listen. And But it, but it took me, it, it was a, a process. We talk about things being a process all the time. Yeah. And I, and I think I spent a lot of time learning him and not so much time learning me. Okay. And so for the last... This half of my marriage, I would say, I've really been focusing on learning me because I can only be a better wife. I can only be a better mother. I cannot be a better family by myself. Like, I only control what I put into it. You understand what I'm saying? I get what you're saying. I get it. You know, you you help with the people real good. I have been Mm -hmm. married as long as you, but I can say that I certainly... Um, I think I came into marriage for me, and this is not the married episode. No, so single people, you know, don't yeah. talk myself. <laughs> this is one aspect of self. I I think that for me, I came into marriage with very modern ideas and progressive thoughts about marriage and how to approach marriage. And while I had modern thoughts, I had antiquated feelings. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. That's so good. my thought was modern, but my emotions ran, uh, sir, I need you to come on here and provide. Uh, sir, I need you to do what my daddy did. That's how I felt emotionally. Mm-hmm. So here I am in a modern marriage, and I've established a modern marriage. And by modern, I mean and how I, I look at it. I don't care who makes the most money. I don't care about... Um, any of the traditional things that our moms and stuff were talking, you know, you know, all that stuff. I, I in my mind, I didn't, I didn't care about that. But then emotionally, I did. I wanted him to wash my car every week, like my daddy washed my mommy's car every week. And emotionally, I did want him to uh, take me on the trips, like my dad would take my mom. I wanted those things. I wanted him to function in a more emotionally I needed him to be more of a provider than what mentally I understood to want. And I I hope that makes sense what I'm saying. I hope that you can have a head knowledge of something but in your heart you can have two separate things going on. It's like it's like 
knowing something but living it is two different things. I can know that if I eat a particular way, it'll cause me to lose weight, but actually eating that way is something is something totally different. And it was very much that way. So then I found myself in marriage, you know, how do I own and create the marriage that I really want? And I think that that's why it's important that you get to the point where you really recognize who your true self is. Yes. Really connect to your true self. Because you'll have that disconnect between who your head says that you should be yes. and your heart says that you really are. That is and you, and and that's the second point for me in self ownership is who am I in my heart versus who am I in my head. Mhm. Cuz you can have an image of yourself of who you are as a professional, who you are as a spouse. You can have an idea in your head of who you are as a parent and but in your heart you're something different in your heart you're not that version of yourself and how do you get from how how do you match the two how do you get your head to match your heart and your heart to or or whatever whatever piece you want to match how do you match the two and Be what's true for you because which one is the right one which one is the true one yes. because you can you can match your life to an idea that's in your head right oh i want this career i want this job and then you get the job and then you say now what in the world was i thinking because i hate it because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want that check because you want that check or you want what it looks like, what you think IT looks like. Mm -hmm. But then when you get into, but then when you get into the role, you can't stand all that it is. You hate coding. So how, how was, how was that a great fit for you? Or you think you want a job that's, I don't know. You want a job making coffee every day. I love coffee. But then it, it, it's, you get into the role and you don't like to do dishes <laughs> because you hear people say all the time find a job that you're passionate about and you never will work a day in your life and i get what folks mean but in my heart i want to save the world yes but in reality i got these for real bills that i got to pay got every 30 money. days every they come day. every 30 days every, and they ain't missed they ain't missed a month yet <laughs> <laughs> So sometimes your heart isn't necessarily the right one either. And maybe it's a combination of the two. Maybe self is all-encompassing. It's not one, it's not either heart or head. It's the best parts of each. I agree. And I think it's ultimately understanding that self is discovery as long as you're having the conversation. The problem is if you're not having the conversation. The problem is if you're not saying, what is true for me? What is right for me? What resonates with me? And if we're not sitting, sitting down and getting grounded in what is true for ourselves, we're missing it. And, even, and, and to piggyback on that, even understanding that self is a intimate and individual process. Yes. Because I think we also live in this society where 
everybody has an opinion of everything else. Listen. And so my opinion of who yourself should be is irrelevant. It's irrelevant. It really is my opinion of myself that is the most important. But really understanding that even though my opinion of myself is important, my husband's opinion of himself is important as well. Mm -hmm. And that you need to create a space where everyone's, everyone is valued. And that's hard because a lot of times we think that our opinion of ourselves should be, we need to project that on every other person. Okay. I need you to come into alignment with my opinion of myself. Mm. Well, your opinion of you and my opinion of me may not be in alignment. And that's okay. You know, like, like um, I've had situations recently where you have people, they say that it is that they're thinking about you and when you really peel it back, they're thinking about themselves and disguising it as you because they just want you to come under subjection to whatever it is that they're doing. Yeah. And you can't, we, we just can't operate that way because if it's important for you, it's important for me. If self is important for you, then self is important for me. And we have to allow each individual person to explore that for themselves and come to that. It's, I mean, it's just like grace. You know, for as much as I love my kids, I can't walk that journey for them. That's true. You know, and it's, uh, so, so how, do you, how do you love someone else in their true self and at the same time operating your your true self. How do you do that? For me, I, I work on accepting. I, I really try to accept people the way that they present themselves mm -hmm. to me. I just accept you the way that you are. But, but, but that's the question. Is the way that they present themselves to you, the way that you view that, is that necessarily who they are or what they are? If they're being honest, mm -hmm. and, you know, now some people are liars. Yeah, you know, they just they they lie cause it's blue outside. Right, that's true. That's true. If I ask you what color, if I ask you if it's raining outside, and you say no, the sun is shining, I'm gonna get my raincoat, galoshes, an umbrella, and a and a and a wet cap to keep to protect <laughs> my hair, cause you lie for no reason. You just lie. Some people are they don't know how to be anything other than false. But how but how do you how do you identify that? Because because you've said identify a fool and then <laughs> identify a fool, honey, and cross the street. I think they're always tells. Mm -hmm. I think people I think people always kind of tell on themselves when and it and when you identify it, it there will always be a tell when you identify it, recognize it for what it is. And say, oh, okay, I can't believe anything that you say. But as long as you're honest and you're presenting what's true for you. Because even if something is true for you today and it changes tomorrow, you'll say that too. Yeah. Yeah. You'll acknowledge, hey, I was different then. Or, hey, I thought this was true then. Or, I understood something to be different. You can express growth. You can express change. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows everything. We're ignorant about a lot of things. With, a lot yes. of things. So you're learning all the time. You can say, hey, when I made this statement, I was I was an idiot. <laughs> I didn't know any better. I was ignorant. I hadn't had that experience yet. 
Um, I'll never forget I was talking to a girlfriend and I was single, she was married, and I felt like my life was just so busy. I was just so busy. And she said, oh, you're not busy. You're not busy till you have a family. And I said, well, that was a really, you know, jaded statement, or not jaded, but I felt like that was a, a, a inaccurate statement. How can you say that just because you have a, a husband and kids that your life is infinitely more busier, busier yeah. than mine? What are you saying? Like, I felt like that was so arrogant mm -hmm. for her to say that. Mm -hmm. But really, it was my ignorance that made me argue with her in that comment. Because there is, it's a different type of busy. busy. Yes. It's it a is. different type of busy. When there, there's a, I feel like when you are single, when I was single, my busyness, my level of busyness was my choice. As a married woman, sometimes I'm busy and I don't want to be busy. My to-do list is unending and not because I want it to be unending. It's unending because I have a ton of responsibility that's associated to being a mom right. and associated to being a wife. So when everybody else goes to bed, we've done everything that needs to be done. I still have to go home and take care of my family responsibilities. It's a different type of busy I was ignorant. I didn't understand it, but I understand it now. I still would never make that comment, mm -hmm. just because I know a single person doesn't understand that. But I, un but I do understand where she was coming from. So to my point, you can you can express growth. You anybody can express a, hey, what I understood to be true about business five years ago is different today. When I first started in corporate, you had to be crispy. You had to come to work. I remember being on the elevator with a black director mm -hmm. and I wasn't, I was at, I was a team lead and we were on the elevator and he looked over at me and said, you ready? We got to put it on. You ready to go in, go in here and put it on? I said, I sure am. He said, all right, Angela, have a great day. And when the elevator opened, he stepped off the elevator. I stepped off, and you put your role on because you had to be crispy. You had to look the part. You had to talk the part. You had to walk the part. Good morning. Yes, absolutely. I'm Angela. So nice to meet you. I mean, it was the whole that whole persona. Mm -hmm. I've been in corporate long enough for that to change. I face out in my professional career. I have an outwardly facing position. And now I'm instructed to be personable. And likable. Relatable. Be relatable. Mm -hmm. We're relationship building corporate America. Nobody wants you to wear a suit anymore. What is that? If you wear a suit, it shouldn't be with the structured white shirt. You should wear a very soft shirt. Something that's soft. We don't want the hard, stiff jackets. Give us a flowy jacket. Like the personable, we don't want that basic block suit. Give me the outfit suit where you might have on a gray pant with a blue jacket or the yellow shirt with the pinstripe. I mean, we want color. And honey, my whole closet is black. That's all I wear is black. I, I am groomed to black, navy, blue, and gray. That is what I wear, those three colors. But we want color today. We want you to wear some green fitted pants and the the nice. This, honey, I was in the office the other day and a, and a girl had on some stiletto heels. I I was stunned. <laughs> Ma'am, where are your two inch pumps? <laughs> what are you doing? 
But I've watched corporate come change its approach and how we did business before. I mean, people openly say, I want to work with people I like. I want to work with people who I enjoy working with. And that wasn't the temperature years ago. The antiquated style of how I approached corporate then won't help me be successful in today's market. I had to change. I think you can speak to that. But how do you change and still be true to self? That's very good. I think you have to, for me, again, is always making sure that I stop and say, what's my voice in this and what is true for me in this? And being able to express my truth then becomes my third step. How do I express it in my living? How do I live what's true for me? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes when something is true for you, it might not necessarily be acceptable by everybody around you. It might seem crazy or hinky or um, out of the box. And how do I live something that's true that may not necessarily be favored, be liked, or be accepted by the masses? How do I? How do I? How do I express that? How do I live that? How do I honor my own personal truth? And then do it in a way that's fantastic. But I have to say that that is where I struggle because I I am that, people tell me all the time, I am that out of the box thinker. You are, you really are. I am that, I do things a little bit differently, even in the, the industry that I work in. I feel like I'm a little bit of an anomaly. People tell me, you're so approachable. You're so different than other folks in your field. And and so I own that. I'm at the point in my life where I, I genuinely own that. But I feel myself playing into that sometimes as well because now that is the expectation of me. Mm-hmm. And so if I grow in a different way, then I get a little apprehensive because, well, you've known me to be the approachable person, so now I have to feel like I, I have to be approachable all the time. And I'm not. Because sometimes, especially if I haven't had any coffee, I'm just not the one. Not today. So, it, it, and so I struggle with that a little bit. I struggle with, I'll, I'll share a story with you where when I was in college, I wrote, I took a poetry class, creative writing poetry class. But maybe what you struggle with is messaging. Maybe maybe it's how to message the difference. So if you're not a morning person and the coffee is, y'all let me tell y'all what happened. The other day I called Tisa. I called her early in the morning. Listen, listen. Now I'm a person that needs coffee in the morning. And like my, when I used to work in a, and I still work at corporate, but I, but I telecommute. And when I worked in an office-based environment, everybody would come over to my desk and say, have you had your coffee yet? Because it was critical. That's my I've life. never met another person who I felt had me beat with the morning blues until I called Tisa early two days ago. And she answered the phone, y'all. And she sounded <laughs> like her name was Tiso. <laughs> 
Not Tiso. Tiso answered. And Tiso said, not good morning, not hello, but hey. I said, huh? Who is this? And I'm usually <laughs> and I'm usually bubbly and very nice and hey, it's great to meet you. Unless it unless it is before coffee. And then she said, I hadn't had my coffee yet. Oh no, he said I, <laughs> I hadn't had my coffee yet. I was like, oh it's bad. <laughs> That literally made my whole day. But maybe it's messaging. Maybe it is. Maybe it's being comfortable saying, hey, y'all, I hadn't had my coffee yet. And that's a part of the way that you brilliantly own it is brilliantly figuring out how to message the difference. Because you've accepted the difference. Yes. But how do I help you accept that it's not always the same. And I don't have to always help you accept that it's different because people are different at different times. And that's, I was just about to say that, that that is, that's good because we are multifaceted. Aren't we? None of us are always the same. Even in the same day, there are different, I mean, let's, let's get real. We all have the work voice. Yes, come on here. And we have the talking to our friends voice. Yes, we do. And because my mother or my parents actually are from the Caribbean. I have the talking to my parents voice. Come on, <laughs> let me hear it. Thank you, Sybil. Yes, exactly. Miserable. Um, yeah, so we, what is it? Code switch all yes. the time. It's yes, a part do. of our, our existence. Yes. So, you know, part of owning self is even owning that brilliant part of ourselves. Yes. That we are different. At th- different times. All the time. And it's okay. Yes. It's okay. But I was sharing with you the story about when I was in college mm-hmm. where I took this poetry class and I wrote a poem about the juice bar. I had okay. this poem that I wrote um, talking about blackberry juice can only be found at my juice bar. And I wrote the poem probably a year before I took the class. Totally forgot about an assignment. So I turned it in as my assignment. And part of the class was for my classmates to critique my poem and they thought it was beautiful and they went and they dissected every line and a lot of what they believed the poem was about it was totally not totally different than what it was actually about because that poem was being fresh and nasty (laughs) (laughs) I ain't even read the poem but I know that poem was nasty up with these brilliant critiques about the poem and how I was using a vivid imagery to you know mm-hmm. to 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 um to talk about the 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 injustice in America and I'm just sitting there like mm-hmm, you're right you're and they right. were totally wrong uh-huh. and, and this poem is about my boo thing but okay <laughs> that's what you want to say and I got an A let me just say that for the record yeah. I got an A but it's how do you reconcile your version of myself that's good. because it's based on your experience but which I it, haven't had but is it my job to reconcile is that my business is it my job to reconcile your understanding of you know what it's not it's not I can't, I can't control your perception of me. And I think sometimes 
because in corporate we hear perception is reality and we spend a lot of energy trying to uh, manage people's perception and what things look like. But I get it and it has its place. But you will kill yourself if you spend all your energy trying to yes, manage how people, perceive, how people perceive you because you never know what people bring to every discussion and you you never know what noise is in the background of people's minds about you you never know what people are in the back of their mind thinking because people will obligate you to things in their head and they will obligate you to something in their head that they don't even know they've obligated you to that's true that is so true and you know that from a parent perspective a spouse perspective a friend perspective You'll have a friend that'll have an expectation of friendship that they never shared with you. Exactly. I never realized how poignant that was until a friend of mine, Skip, I'm, I'm talking about to Skip now. As our friendship grew, it was a, it's a guy friend. He will always step me through his level of expectations of me as our friendship got deeper. Mm-hmm. He's the only friend has ever done that. As our friendship got deeper, he would say, now... Our friendship is getting deeper. I'm sharing more of my life with you. And at this point, I expect this, 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 and this. I thought it was, when he first did it, I thought, who does that? And then about the second time he did it, I thought, why haven't I been doing this? But you know what? But that's good because we make a lot of assumptions of other people. We assume that you understand my expectation, what I expect of you at this juncture, how I expect you to perform, and what you can't expect of me. Mm-hmm. He's making sure there is no confusion. Yes. When I call you friend, this is what I expect. And this is what you get from me in return. I was like, honey, child, you done messed me up. I'm in my 40s learning something new. <laughs> Help the people real good. That was, yes. He does, and he still does that. As our friendship continues I to, to do that. Listen. <laughs> As our friendship continues to mature and grow and develop, I promise as it gets deeper and deeper, he he lets me know where we are. Even, all right, you about to get the family level now, Angela. When I call you family, it means this, and it'll mean that, and it'll mean this. And I'm like, oh. Well, can I say this? Skip, I don't know you, but (laughs) this is my expectation that we are now friends, and you can get my number from Angela. Just grown for no reason. I'm like, why are you so grown over here handling me? That's we, good. We friends, That's good. dude. But I think it clears up any level of confusion. It clear. I'm not confused about what to expect in our relationship at all. I have zero confusion. I have zero... Um, I know exactly what I can count on him for. I know exactly where we are. I, and far too often, I have lived my all, my whole entire life and have had no one do that. And I'm married. Mm-hmm. So how many people have we really done that with? Have we said? I mean, I've done that with my girlfriends. We, ca- we kind of do that off and on. You know, we kind of every now and again have that touch base that helps you understand the level and depth. But even then, it's not as crystallized right. as he has done it. Right. Most times we don't do that in life. I didn't even know that was a thing to do. Come on here. I didn't either. Right? <laughs> because, because 
No, but be, that's a good indication that Skip understands himself. Yes. Because for me to communicate to you what my expectation of you is, then I have to know what expectations I have, period. Yes. I have to be clear. And he's trying to make sure I understand what he expects of me. Because mm-hmm. he understands. Sure. And sometimes we are not even clear of what we expect of other people. We just get all in our feelings about something and it's like, okay, wait a second, where did that come from? I never and it's because what I expected. Right. I never And sometimes we don't know what we're gonna want until until we're there. But again, experience is the a better teacher than any of us. Yes, so is. at some point in at this point in our lives we should know some things. We may not know everything, but we know enough where we can start communicating some things to some folks. We do. And we should. But do we know? Do we know what we want from people? Not if we haven't taken the time to figure out self. Not if we haven't taken the time. Because I think one of the bigger things is that we are quick to expect of other people things that we don't even expect of ourselves. Oh, that's so good. And that's the first step. Before we can start communicating that to other people, we need to do some, some, some internal work. Yes, we do. And under and you know what? I think it's also understanding what it takes for you to learn. Like one of the things that's the one of the quirks of my personality is, and it doesn't look like it is, I'm actually awkward initially. Are you serious? Yes. I am awkward in situations where I haven't been in a situation before. I fumble. I'm I'm a, I'm awkward. It does you cover it well. But once I get beyond that first time. Like, I, I could be in a situation and I and I could feel myself being awkward. And if I could just take a minute to step away, I can kind of ground myself and get myself together and then re-engage in a better way. But I am awkward. It happened last night. I, I, I was out with some friends. And at the start of the evening, it just was very awkward. Like, it was just, I couldn't, I couldn't. So I kind of separated myself. Mm-hmm. Let me separate for a minute and let me let me get myself together. Let me let me pull it in. Let me let me ground in Angela and how do I need to flow in this evening with these ladies? And then I was able to smoothly re-engage and kind of connect and start to have a good time. But at first the awkward, I couldn't, my, my awkward energy was, was happening. And that's true for me. Mm-hmm. I am awkward sometimes. So how do you, how do you ground yourself? Do you like do self pet, pet talk or like, like how do you, what is that process? Ooh, y'all asking for the secret now. <laughs> um, if I'm in public, I, I will, if I'm able to get to my car, I'll go to my car. <clears throat> I will literally close my eyes. And if I feel like I'm not being understood, I just, and it's going to sound really weird, I will, I will comfort the part of me that feels awkward. Like literally will just say, you're okay. You'll be okay. If it's not right, you can leave. You're not in a situation that's dangerous. You're mm-hmm. not in any harm. If it's a work situation, I'll go in the bathroom. And if no one's in there, I'll look in the mirror and say, you're okay. It's okay. Take some deep breaths. 
Breath work is huge for me. Five or six deep breaths will bring you all the way down and help you relax. I'll take five or six deep breaths and I'll say, you're okay. It's okay. You can handle this. And then I'll re-engage. Okay, that's good. Now, it really works. It might sound a little like, ooh-wee, but it actually really does work because you just need to give yourself the... I believe in being my own best friend. I really do believe mm-hmm. in I got to be a best a best friend to me. Mm. I have to be my own best friend. And in certain situations, I say, what would I say to my best friend? If my best friend called me on the phone and said, I'm hanging out and I feel like it's weird and it's awkward and it's da-da-da-da, what would I say to her? I would say, Girl, you all right? If you don't like to leave, mm-hmm. are you being mistreated? Are you is are is it dangerous? Is it this? Okay, well take a deep breath. You're gonna be fine. You know what I found? I I, I like that because um, I wouldn't say that I am my own best friend, but I I do self talk, and I talk to myself the way that my friends talk to me. Okay, that's good. So I'll say, okay, T, what are you doing? Get it together. <laughs> You know, I, I, I called myself what they would call me. Oh, that's to good. help, you know. And, and and one of the things I recognize about myself, and I didn't mean to cut oh, you off. You can cut me off. One of the things I recognize about myself is for a long time I had people in two categories in my life. You were either my friend or I didn't fool with you. That was it. Friend or I don't fool with you. <laughs> right. And especially in a professional setting, you have a whole group of associates that you need to maintain relationships with. Yes. And so when I find myself wanting to put people in the, either you're my friend or I don't fool with you, especially in social settings. Yeah. Because if I don't fool with you, then I'm not talking to you. And I don't have any ill will towards you or anything. It's just not somebody I fool with. There's a reason we're friends. (laughs) But... In those situations, when I feel myself putting people in those two categories, then I say, okay, you there are associates in this room. So That's you right. need to at least go and talk to one person that you don't know to help pull me out of that shell. Because, because what I found, too, is some of the people that were in my friend category should have been in the associates category. And that and, will govern your behavior, yes. too. And now I'm good. Now I'm good with inner sanctum. Like I have only certain folks that are my inner sanctum. That's folks. right. So I'm good with that. I've all I've been clear on that for a long time. But there are a lot of people in that friend group that should have been in an associates group. And there are a lot of people that were in the I'm full with you group that should have been in an associates group. That's right. And so over the past couple of years, I've really been intentional about engaging with people in a way that speaks to my true self. Because, you know, transparent moment, um, I have a therapist, and he's wonderful. And one of the things that he always says is that, you know it's not right when you feel, when you don't feel valued and you feel disrespected. So you should not be engaging in anything that makes you feel like you're disrespecting yourself. That's right. And a lot of times... Looking at it from that perspective, you can easily identify you this can. is not speaking to my true self. 
And so what do I need to do? Or I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. This feels uncomfortable. But, something about this doesn't feel right. But something sometimes, is, but sometimes being uncomfortable is not necessarily a wrong thing. But I'm talking about the bad uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. I'm not talking about that. Because I do agree. There is a level of un- I'm uncomfortable and it's an uncomfortable and I'm growing. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's, it's serving you. It's, it's uncomfortable, it's but you. it's serving you. I'm uncomfortable in this situation, but this is because this situation where I need to grow, and the only reason I'm uncomfortable is because I'm not used to it. Yeah, that's different than I'm uncomfortable, and this feels harmful and hurtful to yes. me. Yes, yes. I'm uncomfortable, and it feels I can feel something is wrong in this, even though I can't put my finger on it, and I'm going to honor what I feel. Cause you know what, too, sometimes things that feel feel good also feel harmful. That's like, right. you know, even though it is something that I like and that I enjoy, I recognize that this is not serving me either. Yes. And so you need to step back from those situations because at the end of the day, it is about honoring your true self. Yes. And making that a daily, a daily exercise. What am I going to do today to honor my true self? That's good. The daily intention of honoring your true self. And and dishonoring yourself really is an indication that that is behavior that I don't need to engage in anymore. Oh, that's good. So it's not necessarily a bad thing when something goes wrong if you're taking heed to it. Like I tell my kids all the time, don't worry about mistakes. A mistake is is there to show you where you need to do the work. If you... Take a test and you didn't make the type of grade that you needed to make. All it does is highlight your areas, the areas that you need to work on. The deficient ones. Now, the question is, once those areas are highlighted, what am I doing with them? That's good. If I'm running, if I'm acting like, oh, that's done, I was going to keep moving forward, then you're doing yourself a disservice because you should be taking those experiences and saying, what am I supposed to learn from this? And then how can I take this to make myself better next the next day? All right, y'all. Now, I think that is awesome and excellent and a fantastic place to end our second podcast ever. Go ahead. But the question is, my question for you is, what is the homework for them? What should they be working on to get to their true self? You should be working on what, how are you going to daily, 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 daily be mindful and I, you know, and that's such a buzzword, mindful. Yeah. But really, what I want you to do is pay attention to when you feel dishonored, and listening to those areas of your life where you need to honor yourself more. That's the homework. That's what I want you to do every yes. day. And hopefully, you'll brilliantly own self and success. This is Bar.